Um, you know, for some of you um, who don't know, that a couple weeks ago, um, we went, my wife and I went to um, Phoenix, Arizona, that we finally got to um, see our, our good, good friend, uh, Don Cousins' son, Kirk, play, play football. Um, uh, it was a great time. It was a great blessing. Um, you know, the, the, the elders of our church, you know, they got together and they said, you know, it's Mark, we just want to bless you. And, and off we went uh, to Phoenix. And, uh, man, it was great. You know, it was the first um, NFL football game that, that Joe went to, and, and she was getting into it. But, but let me tell you the difference, all right, between Joe, who is right now with a group of women back there praying for all of us, just praying, and me, all right? So we, we meet with um, Don Cousins and his wife and his daughter and some friends, some of their friends. They come to the hotel. Our hotel is right next door to the stadium. So they come, and they were walking to the stadium, all right? And... Um, they are walking, and Don and I are talking about the game. Oh, Hope Kirk gets a good game today, blank, 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 blank. And then Joe, I hear Joe in the back talking to their friends, and I hear something about Jesus. I hear something about ministry, and, and she's sharing all the things that God's doing, and, and, and they're getting excited back here because, you know, God's moving. And she said, you know, time's short. We got, and she's just preaching away, and Don and I are just talking about football, and they're back there. We go into the stadium. You know, we sit in our seats, great seats, about 30 rows up from the, the field, 32 rows up, about the 25, 30-yard line. Man, we got great seats. Um, our, one of my friends from high school, her, her daughter is a um, cheerleader with the Arizona Cardinals, and so, she, you know, um, she said, hey, you can have my daughter's um, tickets. So I said, oh, free, yeah, great. So we got free tickets to go. The day of the game, my friend's name is Sarah. Sarah comes up to us and says, hey, you know what? Um, I think I'm going to give you my seats because there may be some Redskin fans there, but if I, you sit with my daughter's seat uh, tickets, that's where the, the players, families, and all that, you know, it's just going to be this crazy, right? So, so we got to see her good, her good seats. And so we sit there, and I'm into the game, right? Because Kirk and, and, you know, when you watch it on TV and then when you see it in person, um, they, 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 they're bigger and faster in person. And so I'm thinking, man, man, Kirk's, you know, I mean, you know, Calais Campbell, I don't know, six foot eight, whatever, I don't know, six foot 12, six foot 15, you know, it's huge. I think, oh, man, you're going to get, and so I'm all nervous, right? And so Joe's here, and um, there's all these Cardinal fans around us, so I had like a red skin uh, shirt on, so I zipped up my jacket, because, okay, you know, because, you, know, you know, I don't want to cause them to stumble, right? So Joe whispers, she goes, man, it's really hard to cheer for, for Kirk, guys. Yeah. Soon as she says that, then a couple sits next to her, and, and they're from Texas. And the first thing when they come in, they're walking in there with their drinks, they're coming in, and the, the wife goes, go Redskins, like that, right? And, I, and people look, and the guy next to me goes, oh, no, look, we got some Redskins fans there. And he didn't know we were right next. I'm just like, quiet, like this, zip it up, right? Zip it up. And... And so they're over here, and then, you know, so they're cheering, and then so Joe goes, I'm so glad you're here because, you know, we're Redskins fans too, you know? And then so I'm into the game, right? And Joe's talking to this woman, and she's from Texas, and this, she's from Texas, and she started a Redskins fan club there, right? In Texas! You know, that's where the cowgirls play, right? But anyway... Um, 
I don't care. Okay? I don't care. You know. <laughs> you may be bigger, but I can run. But anyway, so but but um so she's talking and I'm into the game and then come to find she she taps my shoulder and says, Mark, can we pl- can we pray for summer? Her name's Summer. Can we pray for summer? Because you know, they've been trying to have kids for a while. And, you know, God just, you know, one of the, the areas we have a lot of faith to pray for is for people trying to get pregnant. So there we are at the, at the Red Skid Cardinal game. We're just praying, Lord, we use this blessed summer, you know, all this stuff, you know. And I'm thinking, this is really interesting, you know. We had a football game, but, but Joel is, she got first things first. It's Jesus first, man. And, and here I'm over here, and... Um, Jesus first, man. <laughs> no, it was, it was a little different, you know? But it was a really, really good time. We had a number of people that we were, we were able to, to get to know a little bit, pray for, you know, do that stuff. So it was really, really good. So thank you, folks, for, for letting us go. Um, last week, I was, um, I was headed over to um, Hawaii China Mission Church because Tony's father had passed away, and, and, you know, he had gone to China. He was just going to come back, so I wanted to be there for him. So, so blessed to have, you know, Pastor Max and Sonny guys uh, to, to, to man um, the, the service here. So, but good to be back uh, with you. Um, I come back and Sonny and Max leave. So, um, you know, go figure. But, but Sonny's okay, all right? Um, today, what we're going to be talking about, we're, we're continuing this Christmas series. And, um, you know, when you hear the word invasion, you know, what do you think of? You know, you think of the word invasion. You know, some of you might think of Independence Day, you know, with Will Smith, you know, the movie The Aliens Come uh, to take over the, the, the earth, right? You know, you, you know, some of you think of that. Others might think of, you know, D-Day, um, June 6, 1944, where the Allied forces, you know, joined together, stormed the um, shores of Normandy, uh, probably the largest seaborne uh, attack uh, invasion in history. And you might think of that. You know, but I, I want to submit to you that the, probably the most powerful and important invasion in all of history came in the form of a baby. That this, this baby born in Bethlehem who would become the savior of the world. And we don't think of it as an invasion, but it was an invasion. That, that the stage was set, the world was suffering from the consequences of sin and death, you know, they were waiting for this Messiah, and for like maybe 400 years, you know, God seemed silent, like, where's God? Generations had come and gone, and, and they were wondering, you know, the, the early guys thinking, the oh, Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, and pretty soon, as the generations go down, you know, the great-grandkids and the great-great-grandkids, and they're, they're wondering, yeah, we heard those stories about the Messiah, the Savior, you know, but, you know, God seemed silent. And, and it seemed as though that, that evil was, was, was there, but God wasn't. But God was there. That God is always there. And in his perfect timing, he, he chose to invade the world to conquer our great enemy, the devil, sin, and death, and really to triumph over the powers of evil. And it was a wonderful moment. And we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Can you imagine? Yeah. 
that there you are, you know, shepherds, and all of a sudden this light angel comes and, and all that, they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you would recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And there it was. God had come to invade the earth, to invade the world, more powerful than any army, more powerful than anything that man could ever create. Here's this God, and, and the one who created everything with, with just a word, who could wipe out everything with just a word. And God invades the world, and the only sound you hear is the gentle breathing of this baby sleeping in his mother's arms. That, that God invaded the world in the form of a baby. And you think about that. See, that's, that's the wonder of Christmas. That's the wonder of Christmas. That the turning point, here we got the turning point of all of history, and the only sign we have is a baby lying in a manger. That God invades the earth, and nothing in all of fiction is more fantastic than this, right? The God of this universe, right? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the angel says, has been born today, and you're going to recognize him by this. He's at the Ritz-Carlton in this, in this suite. Not even a house, not even an inn, nothing. That there, this Savior of the world has arrived, that God was coming to rescue his beloved children, and, and the sign that we have is this baby lying in a manger. Now, we, we hear that, right? You hear, away in the, we sing away in the manger and all that, but, but, but think about what is going on, you know, that this is, this, is, this is amazing, that in all the ways that God could have invaded the world, one, he chose to come and give his son, but his son would be born as a baby. I mean, go figure that one. The God of this universe, in his wisdom, that's what he decided. But he knew exactly what we needed, and out of his amazing love, he gave us just what we needed in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I wanted to look, just remind you pretty much, just a couple, three things. Right? First thing is this, we needed a Savior who identifies with us. That we needed a Savior who identifies with us. That, that why would God choose such a humble entry into the world? A manger is a feeding trough for animals, right? That's what that is, okay? So maybe just a few hours ago, you know, horses and Goats were eating from that. And then the next thing you know it, the Savior of the world is in there. Now, the Savior of the world is in a manger, and it's like, where was the manger? Right? Now, they normally kept animals in like what we would think of as a stable, so it would be like a regular hut, 
Or a lot of times, you just found a cave, and they would barricade the cave, and that's where the animals would be, and that's where the manger would have been. And so the Savior of the world, God himself, his son, was born in a, in a trough for animals in either this, this stable or a cave. Why would God do that? You know, why would God send his precious son who became a man to go through all that? Because, because he wanted from the very start. He wanted, he wanted because he knew that we needed a savior who could identify with us, but we could identify in him. That Jesus went through all the struggles from the very get-go that we go through, the temptations that we go through, the challenges that we face, you know? That, that all the emotional stress that we go through, the disappointment, the hurt, the pain, you know, the, the hearing the news of the death of a loved one where he just wept. You know, Jesus felt what we felt. And in Hebrews 4.15, it says, the high, this high priest, Jesus, understands our weakness. Why does he understand our weakness? For he faced all the same testings we did. Yeah? All we do, yet he did not sin. And God, in his crazy love for us, emptied himself, but all but love, and, and he entered this world fully into our situation from his very birth, Jesus faced every challenge we face. That he grew as a child, he had to learn to talk, he took those first painful steps, probably fell down learning to walk, you know, probably skinned his knees a few times. You know, as, a, as an apprentice to a carpenter, you know, he must have smashed his fingers a few times, you know, whatever, cut by the saw maybe. You know, he was like us. You know, sometimes we think, you know, this baby, and all of a sudden, you know, hello, and he just gets up as a baby, walks around, because he's Jesus. No! You know? Like, you know, his first words, you know, like, da-da. No, I mean, we think it's like, for God so loved the world, like, whoa, this baby. No, it was just like a baby, like us. And as he grew up, he felt everything we felt. Wept to death of his friend Lazarus. He agonized. He agonized all night at his impending death. He knew what it's like. See? That we needed a savior who could understand, who could identify with all the stuff we go through. That we can say, yeah, Jesus understands. We can say Jesus understands. Why? Because he went through that stuff. Not only did we need a Savior who could identify with us, we needed a Savior who could break the power of sin and guilt. Sin, we all sin. Anytime we miss God's very best, that's called sin. But the other side of sin that's really tough is guilt, right? Sometimes we sin and we say, God, we're really sorry. But just we carry around that guilt. You know, we carry around that guilt. And we needed a savior who could break the power of the sin and he could break the power of guilt. Because we all struggle with, with hardship, with disappointments, with challenges, with, with pain and suffering. And the reason we do, because we live in a sin-infected world. Sin entered the world through the sin of Adam and Eve. The devil 
who tempted them is at work today to mess up our lives. In fact, Jesus said this in John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? You know, what is, what is the devil all about? He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. What does that mean? He, he's here to make your life miserable. How? Steal everything you got. You know, steal the joy. You know, this morning the enemy wanted to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, um, sunny guys are going through a tough time. You know, wife just, Haley just comes out of surgery, you know, last night. Comes home, a lot of pain. I told Sonny, stay home. You know, we'll just take your worship over here. If I got to lead worship, I'll lead worship. Do whatever. But just stay home. And he goes, no, no, I'm coming. And then he comes, and, and then you get into an accident. I mean, did the enemy cause the accident? I don't know. But it reminded me that's what the enemy wants to do. Like, oh, Sonny's wife, uh, surgery. Ah, I'll take a break on him. No. Piles it on. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants, you know? And we need a Savior who is strong enough to break the power of sin and the penalty of sin in our lives. And that's why Jesus goes on to say, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says this, I came, Jesus said, I came, why? That they may have life, and they would have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. They didn't really understand what he was talking about, but we look at this today, we know exactly what he's talking about. Jesus is saying, the the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give life. How am I going to give life to all these people, to everyone who calls on mine? How am I going to do that? I'm going to lay down my life for them. We We know what that's about, what he died on that cross. And Jesus hung on that cross in our place that instead of us, he died on that cross and he died the death, paid the penalty of sin for us. That's what that means. And when we talk about Jesus, you know, God so loved the world, that's what we're talking about. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he hung for you, he hung for me. And all the penalty of our sin, all the things that I've done to mess up my life and to mess up other people's lives, Jesus hung on that cross to pay the penalty for that. That's what he did. Lee Strobel, author, pastor, and a real, he was a fervent atheist. He wrote this. Oh, he shared this story once. He said, how can I tell you the difference God has made in my life? My daughter, Allison, was five years old when I became a follower of Jesus. And all she had known in those five years uh, was a dad who was profane and angry. I remember I came home one night, kicked a hole in the living room wall just out of anger with life. I am ashamed to think of the times Allison hid in her room to get away from me. Five months after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that little girl went to my wife and said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what he's done for Daddy. How's that? Age five. What was she saying? She'd never studied archaeological evidence regarding the truth of the Bible. All she knew was that her dad 
used to be this way, hard to live with. But more and more, her dad is becoming this way. And this is what God does to people. And she said, if that's what God does to people like my dad, sign me up. At age five, she gave her life to Jesus. That God changed my family, he changed my world, and he changed my eternity. See, that's what Jesus came to do. That we needed a savior who could break the power of sin and death and sin and guilt in our lives. So many people, we've heard the story, and yet, you know, we, we're kind of trying to pay the debt for our sin. Even though we know what Jesus did on the cross, we know the story, we know the Christmas story, we know the Easter story, and yet, there's so many of us who are still trying to pay the debt for their sin. You know what that's called? That's called religion. That we just got to try our best. That we know deep down inside, we try that we've disobeyed God, we know we're guilty, and so somehow we try to make up for it. You know, somehow we try to make it some way, somehow try to pay that debt. But, 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 but here is the wonder of Christmas. God became a man in the form of a baby. That God the Father sent his beloved son to be a man who would die for us instead of us. That, that what God, what Jesus did on that cross once and forever dealt with your sin and your guilt. That, that we don't have to carry the burden anymore. When Jesus died on that cross, that was once and forever. You know? And, and we don't have to carry that. That we don't have to carry the burden. That we're not guilty anymore. I'm going to tell you, so often, I mess up and I say, Jesus, please forgive me. And Jesus said, you're forgiven. I, I, you're forgiven. And then I say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I go away and I feel rotten because I still carry the guilt. And that's part of steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy says, yeah, Mark, you're a dirty, rotten guy. You are. You don't know how many Sundays, you know, we have this great Sunday. You know, God is great. And I'm heading home and and, and the enemy wants to convince me what a rotten guy I am. You know? And, and, And lately what I've learned is like, you know, I had this conversation with the enemy. I said, well, I know I'm a rotten guy. You don't got to tell me I'm a rotten guy. Even Vern Morcami knows I'm a rotten guy. But that's not the point. The point is I'm a forgiven rotten guy, you know. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, me and Vern are forgiven rotten guys, right? And there's nothing we've done in our past that's on, my, on our record. Because Jesus came to wipe that all out. And you know, when we can get past that, because so many people, man, it's the guilt that gets us. It's the guilt that gets us. But Jesus came because we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior 
who could break the power of sin and death in our life. And that's what Jesus did. The last thing is we needed a Savior who could defeat even the sting of death. We needed a Savior that could defeat um, sin and guilt, but could also defeat the sting of death. See, death is one of those things. You know, unless Jesus comes back in this thing called the rapture, and if you wonder, what is the rapture? Just come see me after. But if Jesus doesn't come back like that, uh, we're all going to die, right? I mean, we can't escape that one, you know, right? We can escape a lot of stuff, but there's, we're, we're all going to die, you know? And, and we look at that, and for some of us, it's like, man, that's a scary proposition. Oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. You know, some of us exercise a whole lot. Not me, you can tell. But, you know, we exercise a lot. We eat healthy. We do all these things because we don't want to die. Dying is scary to us. And we needed a Savior who could defeat even death and the sting of death. Those of you who have lost a loved one, right? It might have been years ago, like my, my dad, or it could be just this past year. You know, Christmas, the holiday season, it's rough. It's rough. Why is it rough? Because man, we feel that sting. You know, it hurts. It hurts to lose people. You know, and, and holidays, and I remember that first Christmas, and my dad died in January. Come December, that first Christmas was rough, man. I mean, it was just like, it was so rough. Told my mom, my, my mom, my brother and I said, you know what, we just, just, we can't do Christmas at home this year. And so we went to my uh, auntie's house in Hilo. We went there. Uh, I was going to visit the Leopoldinos, but they weren't home. But I was going to go to Hilo, and we just went to Hilo because it was just too hard, you know. But, but Jesus came because we needed a Savior who could defeat even the sting of death. Sin entered the world through one person, Adam. And with that came death. You know, Romans tells us, for, every, for the wages of sin is death. That's how we all going to die. But there in Bethlehem, yeah, with the birth of Jesus, God came down. And I, I dig this so much. God came down to rescue us from the power of sin and death, and even the sting of death. That they're lying in that well-used feeding trough for animals laid the Savior of the world. That who would one day defeat death once and for all, hanging on that cross. Three days later, God raised him up. And when he was raised up, even death was defeated. Death couldn't keep him in the ground. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Through his resurrection power, God raised them up. And, and at that point, even our final enemy, death, was, defe was defeated. And I think, I, I can kind of imagine the devil looking down on that first Christmas and kind of smirking, thinking, that baby that baby is going to defeat me? Come on. Right? But, you know what? His seeming victory was, was, was short-lived. Because soon enough, 
that baby did. You know? Through the death on the cross. Which led the Apostle Paul to write this in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and 55. And man, let the Holy Spirit speak to your hearts. Let, let the words of the scripture just speak to your heart. This is what God is saying to you and to me who needed a savior who could defeat even the sting of death. This is what he says. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Even death was defeated. And the, the apostle Paul is saying, you know, death, where's your victory? You've lost. Where's your sting? It's gone because of Jesus. And someone once said, I really like this, someone um, once said, when death stung Jesus Christ, it stung itself to death. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. When Jesus rose from the dead, death was swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the coming of Jesus as a baby, his work on the cross, that because of Jesus, death has no sting. You know? Max, um, he had a cousin. His name was Scott. He had come here a few times. He had an inoperable uh, brain uh, uh, tumor in his brain uh, that eventually that he was going to die. And, and, and when he finally passed away, uh, Max was there to do his funeral. But Scott's his name. And Scott had accepted Jesus as his savior. He would come to our small group. He was just in the word. He said, you know, and we would talk. And I, and I said, you know, Scott, one day, this is not going to be just words. You're going to see this with your eyes. And he was so excited. And I remember at the funeral, the harps were playing. And, uh, and, and, you know, at the funeral, it was like this. It was like, man, death, where's your victory? You know, where's your sting? The Scott's in this amazing place called heaven. And I looked over at his mom. His mom's name is Auntie Myrtle. And um, since then, you know, Max ministering to um, the family and ministered to Auntie Myrtle. And Auntie Myrtle accepted the Lord. And then this past week, this past week, Auntie Myrtle went home to be with the Lord. Her last breath, her last look on earth, closed her eyes, was her first breath in heaven, opened her eyes. And there was Jesus. And there was Scott. And there was Scott, her son, Death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? That today, sad, sad here for the rest of that family, right? But this Christmas, you know, Auntie Myrtle and Scott, there's a reunion, and they're waiting for all the rest. Come on up. They're waiting. You know? Why? Because we needed a Savior who could defeat even the sting of death. 
And that's what Jesus did. Because of Jesus, death stung itself to death. I love the saying, Jesus is the reason for the season. Because he really is. I love it. When, when people come and, and they say to me, when you go to Long's or you go wherever, they go, happy holidays. Happy holidays. And in my heart, I said, man, you got no idea. There's more than happiness. There's more than happiness. See, the word merry, the word merry means to be joyful and to celebrate. You can be happy because it's the holiday season until you get your January visa bill, okay, right? And then it's like, oh, yeah, it's like bummers, right? Happy holidays for now. Merry Christmas is forever. Merry Christmas. We can joyfully celebrate the coming of the Savior because that is forever. And so when people say happy holidays, I go, Merry Christmas. And they go, oh, Merry Christmas. You know? Yeah. You can be happy at your sneaking holidays, but there's something so much better. And then I just, I go away and I pray for that person. I pray that one day they would move beyond happy holidays to experience Merry Christmas. Because they need a Savior. They need a Savior who could identify with them and they could identify with. They need a savior. They need a savior who could break the power of sin and guilt. And they need a savior who can defeat the power of death and even the sting of death. See, they need a savior. And his name is Jesus. And that's why we say Mary, because there's joy and it's a time to celebrate. And we celebrate the coming Christmas, the coming of the Savior. So when I say Merry Christmas to them, it's not being this defiant, obnoxious Christian person, happy holiday, Merry Christmas. No, nothing like that. It's like I, I, I want to pronounce to them. There's so much more than happy holidays, friend. It's just Merry Christmas. Because there's a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And he came for you, and you need him, and that's Merry Christmas, brother see and so let the holy spirit speak to you how can we respond to the christmas the christmas news how can we respond to merry christmas this year couple things one i went like this couple things <laughs> couple things first respond with a sense of wonder and awe that leads you to worship and praise think of the coming of God Almighty to that humble entry into this world. And he did this for you. And let that lead you to worship. You know, that in the midst of all this busyness, take time to worship. And I want to encourage you, that's what our Christmas Eve service is all about. We're just going to come together to worship. And the kids are going to be there, and they're going to do a special... And John Johnson, what do you think? Gonna be good? Is it good? Huh? It's really good. I mean, really, really good, right? Everybody would be like, wow, that was special, right? Okay, so you heard it straight from John's mouth, 
right? His wife is kind of leading up the whole thing there, right? And I want to encourage you, just, just come. Get your priorities straight. And say, you know, the party can wait. It ain't going to die if we're not there right at the beginning. Because you're always late anyway. Right? So 4.30, you know, by, by quarter to six, you're gone. You can go to your party. But come and, and worship. The second thing is respond by inviting everybody you know to join us. Because everybody needs a Savior. You don't know what people's going through. That you know the people around you are going through, that that might be the turning point of their life, that they're going to enter this place and they're going to hear about this Savior, and maybe that night they're going to receive the greatest Christmas present they could ever receive. Wouldn't that be the? Wouldn't I mean what what Christmas present would be better than that? Getting rid of the GM of the 49ers, that'd be close. But I'm not good enough. That's not big enough. Right? See someone that you know. You invite to Christmas Eve and they accept the Lord as their Savior. Because they needed a Savior who could identify. They needed a Savior who could break the power of sin. They needed a Savior who could defeat that. And they say, yeah, I'm going to grab one. I mean, what is better than that? And so I want to encourage you. It might even be a family. Look, we can get together at 6. You know, uncle can wait an hour before he put on that costume and get the present. You can wait. Uncle can wait. But let's put Jesus first. And just go And just worship. And, and experience the presence of the God who loved us and loved the world enough to send his son to that humble entry into the world, died on that cross for all of us, so that on this time and during this time in our lives, we can go around and say, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry. It's a time of joy and celebration that we're here to joyfully celebrate the coming of our Savior. That's Merry Christmas. That's why Jesus is the reason for the season. Because he's the Savior we all needed. And he came. And I want to say to you, you know, if you've never, ever, ever grabbed hold of this Savior, whose name is Jesus, I want to say to you today, make that decision today. You know, don't wait till next week. Just make that decision today. How do I make that decision? Would you want a Savior who, you, who could identify with you all the things you go through that you can identify with? You want a Savior like that? Do you want a Savior who can break the power of sin and, and, and guilt in your life? Do you want a Savior like that? Do you want a Savior who can defeat death, even the sting of death? Do you want that kind of Savior? If you do, his name is Jesus. And all you got to do is say, I want that. I want him. And say, Jesus, I want you. I need you. Come into my life. That's all it takes. It's the free gift. And so we're going to stand. We're going to pray.
And if that's what you want to do, then I'm going to pray. You just pray along with me, all right? And afterwards, if you prayed that, and, and you know, you just, yeah, I prayed that, and, and if you just want to take another step of faith, come see me after. I say, I prayed that prayer. Because I tell you what, if you prayed that today, that would just make my day. I mean, I'm telling you what, it really, really would. You know, it really would. All right, let's pray. Father, we just come to you. And maybe for, for, for some of us here, we, 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 we recognize we need that Savior named Jesus. And so we come to you, Jesus, and we say we need you. We thank you, Jesus, for, for being a Savior who identifies with me. You know all the things that I've gone through. You know all the things that I'm going through. You've experienced that firsthand. I need you. That 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 you know all the times I've messed up and the guilt I carry. I need a Savior that has the power to break that. I need you, Jesus. You know, I think about death. I think, man, if I die today, I'm not looking good. In fact, I'm afraid of death. I needed a Savior, and I need a Savior who can defeat even the power of death. I need you, Jesus. Jesus, will you come into my life and be my Savior? I believe, I believe that you are that Savior. Please come into my life right now. Change my life. And I pray, Father, that if anybody prayed that, that you would begin to so work in their lives, so work in their lives, that they would experience the difference today, tomorrow, and the days to come. And for all of us who have already accepted you, Jesus, as Savior, I pray that this Christmas season, that from, from our hearts, we would experience Merry Christmas, that we would go far beyond Happy Holiday, but we would experience Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jesus, that you make that possible. We thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless. Have a great, great uh, Sunday. Um, if you need prayer or if you accepted, the, you know, you say, I, I did that. Come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If not, there's like food in the back. Just follow the hall down there. There's food in the back. And we'll see you Saturday, 430. All right? God bless. <laughs>